From Flint Podcasting Company and the Michigan Small Business Development Center, this is Lessons from Main Street, a podcast about what it's really like to start, run, and grow a business. In this season, we're bringing you a series of stories shared by SBDC clients in Flint, Michigan. My name is Stacey Sherman. On today's episode, a lifelong book lover living her passion as a used bookstore owner shares her story of how she almost lost her business. My name is Beth. This is R&B Used Books in Graham Blank. I met Beth in her store, which is in Graham Blank, um, a suburb just south of Flint. She's in a small plaza pretty close to the high school and right across the street from the local Kroger. It's a really busy part of town, so it's a great location for her. The R&B of R&B Used Books actually stands for the first initials of Beth, so there's your B, and her husband Rob, the R, obviously, and we'll hear a little more about Rob later in the story. As you're walking into the store, it's a glass door, so you can kind of already see all the books inside as you walk in, and there's a painted sign on the door that lets customers know that they may be greeted by the store's resident cat. This is Springer. He was gifted to us in 2009. He was recycled a couple times before he came to us, and he's about the grumpiest cat in the world and not bookstore appropriate, but we love him, (laughs) and he tolerates us, and so he has a home for life here. The inside of the store is like a candy store for book lovers. There are books everywhere. Shelves line the walls and create aisles down the center of the main room. There are several smaller rooms with all available wall space covered in shelves with even more books. Each room is labeled with its genre to help customers navigate. So you've got like history and historical fiction and children's and classics, romance, biography, autobiography, books on CD, so many more. And on top of that, open boxes filled with books brought in by customers sit on the floor around the shelves, tables, desks, wherever they can find an open spot. The store is just organized enough to not feel overwhelming, but still messy enough to create this like childlike desire to jump into the books and start splashing around like jumping into a pile of leaves. Beth tells me that her staff are her fixers and that she would never find anything if it weren't for them. One of her fixers is her sister, and she held down the front desk while Beth and I talked at a table in the adjoining room. And Springer joined us for parts of the interview, so you might hear his contributions at times. Beth has loved reading and books for as long as she can remember. Went through the halls in high school with my head buried in a book. They discovered that I could read in kindergarten. Um, Nobody knew I could read. I didn't even realize I was reading. My mom will deny reading gothic romance, but that's what I learned to read on because I used to sit next to her when she was reading hers, and I'd grab one, and I'd just sit there and ask her what the words were. And she'd tell me and go back to reading. So I guess my first books were gothic romance. So teaching herself to read, walking the halls at school, reading a book, Clearly, Beth has always followed her own ideas. And while that would serve her well later as an entrepreneur, it made things difficult when she was younger. Following her passion for words into an English major in college, Beth was quickly disheartened. I started going to college originally because I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to go into English, and um, I wrote the most off-the-wall stuff. 
And I had professor after professor tell me to like go find something else because writing was not my thing. But I wasn't writing what they wanted to read. I was writing what I wanted to write. So she changed her major to law and began working as a paralegal. But she quickly ran into a similar frustration. Although I loved the thinking and the research and everything, I loved solving the mystery in the legal field, but I really didn't like the drudge work of it. And I certainly didn't like, no offense to any attorneys out there, but I didn't like working for attorneys. They had very specific ideas of how things should be done, and I thought they should be done differently. Her law experience led her into insurance, which, for a while, gave her that creative freedom that she needed. So somehow I ended up going from being a paralegal to being an insurance agent. It was a much better position for a long time because I was solving problems. I was um, clearing up mysteries for people. So I could use my brain. Nobody was telling me what to do, well, within reason, but I had freedom to make things happen. I ended up washing out of the insurance job when, ironically, the HIPAA laws were put into place. And all of a sudden, I had to work within very thin boundaries again, and it didn't, it just, it didn't work out for me. I didn't like having those strictures put on For a while after she left insurance, Beth found her freedom and her books again at home with her new baby. But that didn't last long. Motherhood happened after insurance. I was fortunately in a position to be a stay-at-home mom. And, of course, I started gathering my books and spent quite a bit of time with a baby in one arm and and a book in the other hand. And when my son was eight months old and I had gotten quite comfortable staying in my own house, actually. If I needed anything, I could call my husband and he'd pick it up on the way home. People came to visit me. I didn't have to go anywhere. Of course, I had the perfect excuse. I had the baby, you know, and I didn't want to get out. And my husband came home one day and I called him with this huge list of things. I was calling him every day to tell him what was on Dr. Phil, too. I think that was probably the deciding factor. Not so much the grocery store shops, but Dr. Phil. And he came home one day and he said... It's time for you to go get a job. And I remembered being a paralegal. And I remembered going up against the HIPAA laws as an insurance agent. And I literally sat down and cried and said, I can't go back out into corporate America. I can't. Well, back when we had first started dating and, you know, you you go through the what's your dream stage and what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. He remembered, and I had totally forgot, he'd remembered that I said that one of my dreams when I was little was that I wanted to own a bookstore when I grew up. So he, he threw his hands up in the air and he said, I don't care what you do. Take your books, open your bookstore, I'll build the shelves, just get out of this house. He saw that as a challenge, I think, and he started to make some phone calls on my behalf, and he came home one day, and he said, okay, I found a spot for lease. This is how much it is. This is what I will do for you. You need to figure out the rest. And I I looked at it and said, so okay, what do I do now? I had no clue. He said, well, why don't you start by calling the 
woman who owns the used bookstore that you grew up going to and see what she has to say. Well, I called Carol of Carol's Paperbacks Plus down in Waterford, and my conversation was exactly this. Hi, Carol, this is Beth. I um, used to come into your store, uh, and if I wanted to own a used bookstore when I grew up, what do I have to do? And she said, well, do you have a spot? And I said, my husband found me a spot. She said, okay, come talk to me. I went down to talk to her. She literally had a used bookstore in storage waiting to go, complete with the computer system and everything. It was like one of those fate stepped in types of things. And she's like, you pay me. Basically, it was for the storage that she'd spent, and it's yours. And I'll come up and I'll have you. And that's why it's ironic. I'll come up and I'll show you what you need to do, how to build your shelves. And her boyfriend at the time was like six foot forever. <laughs> and he came up and told us how to build the shelves. Well, we have eight foot shelves because he could reach the top of them. Um, but within two weeks of my husband coming home, making the proclamation that I had to go get a job, we were building shelves. So the doors officially opened in 2003. And at first... Things were slow. We did a very soft opening, which was basically we kept the doors unlocked from the day we started building the shelves and bringing the books in so that people could wander in and out. And Actually, my first sale came from somebody who started opening boxes of books and digging through them while we were, while we were hammering the uh, shelves onto the wall. We chose as our official start date or a grand opening November 15th of that year because my dad was a hunter, so we did the whole deer widow thing. And my dad didn't go hunting that year. He stayed home so that he could participate with my grand opening. At first, it was a slow recognition. Everything kind of got messed up at the beginning, and we'd initially signed a year lease. We were just going to go ahead and, and try it for a year and see what happened. We, we started, and, and we were making it. But it was like a good thing my husband was doing really, really well because I wasn't contributing anything. But I wasn't taking anything away either. So it's kind of like my hobby shop type thing, which was he just wanted me out of the house. So that was okay. But all of a sudden, everybody figured out we were here. And it started with books coming in. Like all these people who had all these books knew that they had some place that they could take books. And Books started pouring in the door before they started going out the door. We were in the little spot next door where Beyond the Rainforest is right now. We filled it to bursting. Like all of a sudden, in two months, we had no more room. We had books coming in. We had nowhere to put them. And we were, I was taking them home. They were going in my basement. They were going in my garage. They were going in my attic. We rented a storage unit. And then people started buying. And it's like all of a sudden, we're making money. This spot, this side that we're in now was available. So within the first six months of being open, we ended up moving to this spot. So, and, and that was my first leap before I look. And But it worked out okay because we built up enough business to absorb the little bit of extra it cost a month to be in the bigger spot. We've been bumping around in here for 11 years 
The recession was good for business, which makes sense. When your budget is tight, used books are a good and expensive alternative to new books. But the recession was not so good for Rob, Beth's husband, who struggled to find work during that time. We did really well. Thank goodness for that, because my husband ended up being unemployed. This little store kept us going. So it seemed like her store was doing well. She was busy, and the store was able to help stabilize her family's income. So after the recession ended, and her husband was back to work, they decided to expand the business. But that's where the trouble began. After the break, how Beth almost lost her store and what she's doing now to save it. How much do you really know about the SBDC and business consultant Harry Blecker? Well, keep listening to find out. This podcast series is made possible by the I-69 Trade Corridor Regional Office of the Michigan Small Business Development Center, or SBDC. The Michigan SBDC offers no-cost counseling, business education, and a range of services to help any small business start, grow, innovate, or transition. SBDC offers all kinds of workshops, from the basics of starting a business, writing a business or marketing plan, and learning financial management to advanced sessions on human resources, marketing, cybersecurity, and more. Most SBDC clients in the Flint area work with senior growth business consultant, Harry Blecker. And just like most counselors, Harry gets to learn a lot more about his clients than they do about him. Well, I turned the tables and found out some really interesting things about Harry, and now I'm sharing them with you during the break of each podcast in this series. One reason Harry loves his job working with different business owners is that he gets to live vicariously through so many different careers and livelihoods. I actually play a game called Nine Lives when conversation gets quiet in groups and I ask them to imagine what kind of professional careers would you like to have had. For me, an actor would have been an interesting career to have had. Uh, explorer, scientist. I wish I was the center fielder for the Detroit Tigers. A U.S. Senator. I would, wouldn't mind being a colonel in the military. I wouldn't mind being an artist, um, a painter of some sort. So whatever type of business you have or want to start, bring it to Harry. He'll be excited to learn about what you do and to help you grow your dream. To learn more about the SBDC or to find resources close to home, visit Start growflint.org This podcast series is produced by Flint Podcasting Company founded by me, Stacy Sherman in early 2016 We at Flint Podcasting are committed to helping people and businesses share their stories We believe that storytelling has the power to connect each other to create empathy across geographic, economic, and cultural lines For more great storytelling or for help sharing your story, visit our website at flintpodcasting.com and follow us on Facebook. So everything seemed to be going really well. The recession receded, Beth's husband was back to work, and her bookstore was helping to fill in the gaps. So Beth started thinking about her long dream of expanding the store to include a coffee shop and gathering space for the community. At the time, the local Small Business Development Center, or SBDC, was holding one of its regular workshops on starting a business. So Beth went to get help on her new venture. 
Her SBDC business counselor, Harry, cautioned her to wait on the expansion until after she had more money saved up so she could get a small business loan. But when the suite next door to her opened up and her landlord gave her first dibs, Beth just could not turn down the opportunity. And at first, it did seem like a reasonable and responsible decision. My husband had been back to back to work, and we were finally to the point where we were starting to get our feet back under us. And we sat down and discussed, okay, well, when I dreamed of having a bookstore, I didn't dream of just a bookstore. I dreamed of a community resource. I wanted a place where people could gather. I wanted a, a safe place for... Um, a place I didn't have when I was growing up, a safe place for kids that were kind of like me to go hang out. I wanted to do book clubs. I wanted to sustain writing groups so that people who had that talent didn't lose that talent. So my husband and I sat down and discussed our leases up in, a, from that time, our leases up in a year. This is where we're at. And this was the first time that we actually had sat down and really taken a look at the finances. And we were starting to pull things together. And if I kept on where I was keeping on at the levels I was at, I would have enough in a year to move into a larger facility and get a loan to do a coffee shop. Literally that afternoon, the landlord came into my store and told me that the business next to mine was going out of business. So they came in and said, we know that you're wanting to expand. We're giving you right of first refusal on the suite next door. Well, you know, of course, the heavens opened and angels sang, and the plan was made, and the plan was good. That was uh, a year ago this past June, and, and I did. I hemmed and hawed about it. We sat, we crunched numbers. We knew that we had to double the business if we were going to double the expenses. At that point, it wasn't, it, that wasn't including the coffee. That was just getting the expansion through because we, we have doubled our, our space, so we've doubled our expenses. And we sat down, and, and I thought that I had done my due diligence. I went and I talked to the city planner. I talked to the city administrator, the landlords. There was supposed to be a door between the two suites. Didn't need a permit to reopen an existing door. I had had the, the parking lot assessed, forward thinking to getting to the coffee shop. I knew what my tap-in fees were going to be as far as water for the coffee shop portion. I was trying to make sure that I had all my ducks in a row because I knew if we did it, we were doing it extremely thin. And if we were going to do it that thin, then it had to happen fast. Everything lined up. Everything looked great on paper. But it quickly turned into a nightmare. So so I went and I... And I signed the lease and we looked for the door so that we could reopen the door and that that was I have no idea I cannot even begin to tell you why we did not look for the door we we just there was a door and all we had to do was find the door well if there was a door it wasn't easy to find or it wasn't in a place where we could we never did find out where the door is down here so I went to the city after and of course the lease is signed everything's done and I'm I'm in it and I go to the city and go okay there's no door now what do we need to do with no door I have to get a permit but before I can get a permit 
I have to have an architectural drawing because we're changing the structure of the building. And then I have to get asbestos testing, you know, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of all this stuff that I never intended to ever happen that, that I didn't even consider could possibly happen. So we went from a $250 weekend project to get it opened up that didn't need a permit to what turned into a, a nine-month nightmare to finally get the door in. And we finally got everything worked out. My husband and his dad opened the door up the day before my husband went in for surgery. So I went from living my dream to living this nightmare. So today it's still like two retail spaces. The only thing connecting the two sides is this new open doorway that they literally had to cut out of the adjoining wall. The front desk is now in the new side and racks and piles of books are in the desk's old place on the old side. And when I was there, the new side had only been open to customers for a few weeks. But people already flowed naturally from one side to the other as if it had always been that way. So Beth got through the nightmare. She got her door, opened up to the new side, but all of the added delays and expenses overwhelmed an already tight budget. The door was finally opened the beginning of June. And then my husband was out of commission for six weeks, recovering from his surgery. We had been working in the other side as much as we could in the meantime. But without being able to access both sides, when the store was open, I couldn't do anything over there. I couldn't admit I made a mistake. And I just put my head down and did what I always did. I dug. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I think I had valid excuses for all of the things that I did while I was doing them. And they made sense to me at the time. I knew I was getting in trouble. Yeah, I quit I quit asking for advice. I quit I quit communicating with the people who could help me because I didn't want to hear I told you so. I had that little voice in the back of my head already. I didn't want to know what I didn't want to know. I just figured that this was one more thing. If I worked hard enough, I could do it. So I went and um, spoke with somebody who partners with businesses to get them to the next level. So I sit down and talk to him. I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. And this is where I want to be. And I sent him my finances and everything like that. And I'm feeling pretty confident about, you know, I, I know I've got this debt now that I've built up in the past year. But we're hitting the numbers and we're going to go forward. Because that's me. I'm always going forward. And he said, I'm sorry, this is hard. He told me my business was on life support. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. Because I kept going until I had nothing left. Yeah. Basically, I left that meeting with this gentleman. Isn't he? His name is Terry, and, and bless him because he was honest. He was dreadfully honest with me. And I had basically two choices. I could I could go home, I could cry, I could suck my thumb and come up with all kinds of excuses as to why I was where I was at. Or I could take a look at what I'd done, take a look at my mistakes and do everything I could to save my business. 
But the first part of that was I had to be brutally honest and take away all the excuses and all of the, you know, because it's real easy to say, oh, there was a delay with the door. Everything looked good here. This was supposed to happen. This person was supposed to help me. Um, but reality is, is I heard what I wanted to hear. I made the decisions I wanted to make. When I did have the opportunity to say things aren't working out the way they're supposed to work out, I need to back off. I need to reassess. I didn't do that because I wanted what I wanted. After her reality check, Beth put the coffee shop part of her plans on hold and started focusing on saving her store. She took to social media and announced an ambitious goal, sell 20,000 books in the month of December. She's had a lot of community response and support with a lot of people coming into the store. A local editor held a book signing and she even made it on the local television news spotlight. And most importantly, she's learned a lot from the experience. The plan is to learn how to work with others so that I don't get myself into this situation again. Because even though I'm, you know, independent entrepreneurial or, you know, however you want to put it, nobody lives in a vacuum. The reality is, is I can't do this alone. There are things that I don't know and I can say, you know, I don't know what I don't know and yada, yada, yada. But if I'm not willing to learn, if I'm not willing to open myself up and learn and listen to people who know more than I know, it doesn't matter what happens in this immediate minute. I'm not sustainable long term. It, it, is a, it is a huge lesson. I just hope I haven't learned it too late. I've spoken with Harry at Small Business. I'm going to be sending him all of my information again. I'd like to sit down with him after the first of the year, after we get through this big drive. Um, and I'm getting a ton of, of response and a ton of support, and it's absolutely wonderful. I have no doubt that I'm going to be able to get through this little part of it. Very confident and, and confidence with a reason because beautiful things are happening right now and I have wonderful community support. Once I get over this, I have to be very smart about how I continue to work and grow my business though because a, a shot in the arm is just a shot in the arm. I have to make sure that I keep my business up uh, in order to be sustainable long term. Because it's great. If I can sell 20,000 books this month and clear up all the red that I created in the last year, but how do I keep from doing it again? How many books do I have to sell in January? How many books do I have to sell in February? What do I need to come up with? I still want that coffee shop. That is still a goal for me. So I'm going to work with uh, small business and, and with Harry to do it the right way. So if you're in the Flint area and you want to visit R&B Books, the store is located on South Saginaw Street and Grand Blank in the Pavilion Shops Plaza, right across the street from Kroger. Or you can find R&B used books on Facebook to keep up with Beth's progress. And if you liked this story and want more like it, you can find more episodes of Lessons from Main Street and other storytelling podcasts at flintpodcasting.com. And make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date on future episodes. Just search for Lessons from Main Street. Lessons from Main Street is a partnership between Flint Podcasting Company and the Michigan Small Business Development Center. For small business development assistance, check out the SBDC at startgrowflint.org.